Welcome back into the Short Course Saloon. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Philip Slavin. Happy March Madness, my friend. It's been two long years since we were had a bracket and we're anticipating enjoying March Madness. It's been even longer since we've had a March Madness in which Oklahoma State was a participant. It's been even longer since we've had March Madness and been excited about Oklahoma State as a participant. I mean, it's the first time they've been not in that like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range since 2013 Marcus Smart. And they got that really crappy 6-11 Oregon who had won the Pac-12 draw and got sent out West, <laughs> which was the NCAA and the committee finding a way to screw OSU as as possible. And so you went into that going, well, we should win, but not feeling good about it. Honestly, the best we have, I have felt about an OSU team going into the tournament since 2005 when they were a two-seed again and made it to the Sweet 16. I, I, which is also the last time they made it past the second round. Yeah. I am – and we're going to have plenty of time to complain about the seeding and talk about the matchup. I'm, I'm just – I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be this emotionally invested. And I always am, but this just like, wow, wow. And I, I wish I could better articulate the way that I feel right now. I don't know a better way to say it than, damn, it's about time. Yeah, it, it feels really good to, you know, it, even about a month ago, you felt like Oklahoma State was pretty – there was a really good chance they were going to make the tournament. But it, it really felt like they were going to make the tournament the same way OU did, where they did it because – OU made it because of, the, of Trey Young. Oklahoma State was going to make it because of Kate Cunningham. As the season rolled on toward the end of the year, winning eight and nine against seven straight conference – you know, seven con- you know, ranked opponents in conference, you get to the conference championship game. It's Oklahoma State is a four seed because they're a damn good basketball team. Totally, around Cade Cunningham, not just because you have one star player. And so, yeah, it does. It, it's, this stretch of season has been very cathartic. We deserve this as Oklahoma State fans, to have a damn good basketball team in March that can make a run in the tournament. It's been far too long since we've had something like that, and I, I couldn't be more excited for the next couple of weeks and what this team is going to do because I have, some, I have a very good feeling about what they're going to do. Yeah, it's, um, it just it will. As good as this team is, as much fun as Kate is, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound that greedy, but it's going to be really disappointing if this is a, another short stint into the NCAA tournament. It's been too long since they've won a game. It's been too long since they've won more than one. As I mentioned last time, they won more than one game. It was two thousand five. Um, I, I'm not greedy. We'll, we'll get to predictions and stuff in a little bit, um, but I need <laughs> I, I need to be able to enjoy OSU in the tournament longer than one day. Uh, I'm with you there, and we're going to get to that later on in this episode because I want to be able to talk about it and have you find folks listen. I know why you're listening to this episode, and it's to talk about basketball, but I'm going to talk about baseball first so you can get to that point, and I'm not time stamping anything, so you got to listen through all of this to get to it. But Oklahoma State played number two Vanderbilt this weekend, doubleheader Saturday, and then single game on Sunday. They lost two out of three. They got swept in the doubleheader. I mean, I I mentioned it on the last episode. They were going to face Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter back-to-back, two of the best pitchers in all of college baseball, and they happened to face them on the same day. And Kumar Rocker shoved in the day game, uh, eight innings, nine strikeouts, only gave up one hit, one or two hits. Uh, Oklahoma State lost five to nothing. Vanderbilt's kind of had everything going for him in that game. Parker Scott struggled a little bit, but compared to what Kamar Rocker did, I mean, there, there's not much you're going to be able to say. It, it's just one of those games. And then you get to the nightcap, and Justin Robleski was going toe-to-toe with Jack Leiter for the first three innings, and everything was going really well. And the wheels came off in the fourth. And uh, I'll say this, and I hate to be that guy to complain about officiating and the umpires, but the man behind the plate had a really tough night. And – it was 
just everything that could have gone wrong for Oklahoma State in that inning, it just did. Where Justin Robleski is all around the plate, he's dotting corners, he's hitting his spots, everything's good. And yeah, it was just going the wrong way. It was calling it a ball. So it hit, walk, walk, bases were loaded. He throws a fastball middle in, and Connor Colwick, who had a fantastic weekend, just deposits one into left center for a grand slam. And that just set the course of the rest of the game. Oklahoma State loses that one 18 to 4. It was brutal. I was there for both of those games. It was tough to watch. As a baseball fan, I will say it was kind of cool to watch Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter pitch because those are big leaguers. Those are those are guys that you will see in two years, if not you know less than that, pitching for Major League Baseball teams. And they're pitching in college right now against Oklahoma State and others. You won't find a better duo in college baseball. Oklahoma State ran into a buzzsaw playing both of those guys on the same day. Not many people are going to beat either of them this season. So as frustrating as that loss is, and you lose the game 18 to four, I mean, that's, that's awful. That's brutal, but don't, don't take anything away from this Oklahoma state team. Don't try and temper your expectations. Don't try and, you know, don't just don't worry about it. Like I said, those are two of the best guys out there. It's, you know, it kind of is what it is. Oklahoma state will not face a better They won't face any better pitchers. They won't face any better team than they did in Vanderbilt this weekend, like they did last weekend. And thankfully, they were able to uh, to get one on Sunday. They went 10 to 6. Balls flying out of Obrey Stadium. I believe there were seven or eight combined home runs. Nolan McClain had two. Uh, Alex Garcia hit one. Uh, and Brock Mathis, who's been awesome so far this year behind the plate, uh, really hitting. I mean, he's sitting right around 400 and OPS is north of like 1400 or something like that. Something stupid like that. So. You saw a lot of good things. Bryce Osmond was fantastic. They can only give up three runs and seven plus. So Oklahoma State is in a really good spot. You're able to sneak one against the number two team in the country. You really played well. Vanderbilt Vanderbilt was able to get some you know get some runs and manufacture string together some hits late in that game. But you don't worry about it a lot when you have that kind of lead. Brett Stanley slams the door. You're able to salvage one game. Another tough test this week. They're going on the road to Louisiana Monroe. Well. They're going on the road playing a neutral site game against Louisiana Monroe at Globe Life Field in Dallas. And I believe there's still tickets available. So if you're able to go, uh, I definitely head out there, watch the Cowboys if you're in the DFW area. And then they go to Lubbock and they're playing at Texas Tech, coming off a, a you know a tough series against UConn. They won today, I believe, uh, recording this on Monday. Uh, they won on back to back to back home runs to beat UConn today. So they're riding a little bit of a high, but. I have, like I said, Oklahoma State will not face a better team this year. When you're battle tested that early, anybody else, it's going to feel like, okay, it's just another game. Let's go out and get, let's go out and win. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Oklahoma State go and sneak two or three out of Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech is a solid team. They're a solid program. Tadlock has them rolling every single year. But I still like where Oklahoma State's at. I still saw some good things this year. Playing Vanderbilt, it's like playing Alabama or Clemson in football. It's like playing Gonzaga in basketball. You're playing the best of the best, and they're probably going to kick your ass a time or two. They're just they, – they've been – they are that good and have been for that long. Oklahoma State can get to that point. Vanderbilt's just on another level, and it's a really good test for a young team and, you know, for some, and for some of those guys to get the experience that they did. Uh, it's invaluable, and it's going to mean a lot later on in the year when they're playing some of these tough teams in regionals and supers for a chance to go to Omaha. And they're, oh, yeah, I faced Kamar Rocker. This is nothing. You know, it's going to be that kind of mentality that I think is really going to help this team. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think for OSU this weekend, Sunday was huge. It was a huge win for them. I, I think to get one of those three and not get swept with big, to build a big lead, it kind of started to get away from them late, but they were able to, to hang on for the win. And you knew when Brett Stanley came in in the ninth inning. And I went to, for, at the beginning of the eighth, I was like, can we just get him in now? The beginning of the ninth inning was over. Like, that's just – I'll say this over and over again. Stanley is in, the shit is over. It's done. He's going to put it away. To get that win, I think, was big. And we can say, well, they lost two of three. Vanderbilt's that good. I don't think he did OSU any favors having to play a doubleheader on Saturday against basically the, the number one, number two pitching draft picks for the year. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's disgusting. Um, it's why I think Vanderbilt will probably win the national championship again. I and mean, it's fine. I, mean, I think Arkansas is really good. I'm really interested for if, when Vanderbilt and Arkansas play this year, like as a series I want to watch, I think that would be really, it's going to be a lot of fun. I live in Arkansas, so that there's going to be some, some energy around that. But you take one of them, 
I think that's huge for this team not to lose three in a row, especially heading into what is going to be a kind of a tricky week. Look at, they should beat Louisiana Monroe, but baseball, as you say, is weird. Uh, and then you've got to go on to Texas Tech. And after their rough 0-3 start in Texas against three SEC teams they played, I don't think they've lost a game. They are rolling. Um, now, I, I think arguably that OSU is going to be the best team they've seen since they were they faced what Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and uh, Arkansas. But they beat UConn. They're solid. Gonzaga's pretty good. Like, I think oh, Texas Tech has played some solid games. It'll be an interesting series. And, you know, last time these two teams faced off was in the Super Regional in Lubbock, and it came down to game three, and it was incredibly close, and Texas Tech won. And I think there's enough players left on this team who remember that to go. It'd be nice to get that. It'd be nice to get the get this series win this weekend. Plus, I said that about Texas Tech when they're good at things. They're just – It's unlike – Oh, my God, they're so obnoxious. It's so bad when they're good. It's so bad when they're good. Here's a lesson I would like to tell Iowa State fans now that they're good at football. See these other fan faces? Like, you were cute and darling when you weren't good. Now you're good. Understand, people will be annoyed by your acting that way. Um, don't turn into every fan base that will have been bad forever, gets good at something, and becomes insufferable about it. Don't do that. They're going to because everyone does. It is inevitable. I promise you, there are people who think OSU is insufferable when they got good at football or anything else, it happens. We, we are all that way. Because we all think we're not getting enough respect. But, bah, Texas Tech and baseball. Bah. bah. I did bah. just look it up, and unfortunately, Vanderbilt and Arkansas do not meet in the regular season. <laughs> and that is a bummer for college baseball. You realize that means it's going to be like the SEC title game. Yeah, it's going to be the SEC title game, and they might, yeah, they might mess it. They'll, they'll meet in Omaha. I'll put it that way. Probably. But I did see they do have a series at Ole Miss, which will be really fun because it's a party at Ole Miss when it's baseball. Uh, Have you seen the the beer showers in the outfield when they hit a home run? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the good stuff right there. That that that's the good stuff. Um, Yeah. Uh, One one note as well to the Big Twelve: Texas swept South Carolina this weekend. That's big. Um, we've talked a bit about how. It feels like it's OSU, TCU, and Texas Tech. Texas has been a little bit okay. They just swept South Carolina. Folks, South Carolina is good. Uh, this is back to me being like, oh, great, it's another four-team race. Awesome. Can't. See, I won't, I won't buy into that because they, they do have one of those every year where they go and win a big non-con series, and then they just fold in conference play. It happens damn near every year. So I'm not going to jump on that train yet until I really see what they do in conference play. I see what you mean, and I mean they, they have a Friday guy, Ty Madden, who's going to go in the top eight or so of the draft this year. He's he's that good. But other than that, I, I just don't know what they have. And again, it's going to take a bigger sample to really show how good they actually are. But they they have really have not been good in the Big Twelve the last few years. Didn't they miss the Big Twelve tournament a couple of years ago? Like mm-hmm. it's it's been that type of rough for Texas when they get into Big Twelve play. So we'll see. But I'm not quite sold yet. All right. Thank you, everyone, for indulging me in my baseball nerdiness for a little bit of this episode. Now to the no, it needs to be it needs to be done. It's not nerdiness. It needs to be done. Baseball deserves its due. It does. Every sport does. So no need to apologize, sir. Now let's get to the stuff that you all want to hear about: Big Twelve tournament recap, and we get to talk a little bit about Oklahoma State in the NCAA tournament. God, that's such a good sentence to say. We will be back after this break. Philip, let's start with what we saw in the Big 12 tournament. We did not record. We recorded slightly, you know, before and talked a little bit about, you know, what we thought they were going to do, maybe win a game or two. They got all the way to the conference championship before falling to Texas. Highly emotional game against West Virginia, back and forth the whole way. They f***ed around and beat Baylor, which was awesome. And then they played a Baylor or a Texas team in the conference championship that was on fresh legs because Kansas had to cancel and that was really the story of the game. And Oklahoma State's only lost by five. That game against Baylor, like we, we talked about how the game against West Virginia was Boynton's biggest win. I feel like there's just too many to count at this point of wins of his career. Like it's this team's so, just awesome, man. Like I, I'm, I saw I'm, a, running out, a, I'm running out of superlatives to talk about how good they are and how awesome this the the trajectory is for this team. 
So there's, there's two things to tell you people are starting to take notice of your coach. I, I saw a, a ranking, or maybe it was a, a Vegas deal, of coach of the year. And Boynton was 10th. And somebody made a really good point of, Boynton is not, uh, Boynton's not getting enough credit because of Kate Cunningham. I think that's true. I don't think Boynton's getting enough credit for the development of this team because people have finally taken notice about Avery Anderson and Caleb Boone and the development of those guys and that there's other pieces on this team besides Cade Cunningham. And that's number one. The second thing that makes you realize that people are starting to take notice of how good a job Boynton has done. Smart people know what Boynton has dealt with at OSU. Smart people know that he built this team. When you start hearing Boynton mentioned, not, not top of the list, but mentioned in connections to jobs and their opening, like Indiana, which just opened because they fired Archie Miller. Now, do I think Boynton's going to Indiana? <laughs> I didn't think Brad Underwood was going to Illinois, but I, I don't. Um, there, there are real questions about whether or not Frank Martin is back next season for South Carolina. That would be Boynton's alma mater. Boynton is the lowest paid coach in the Big 12. I know we're dealing with COVID, but there are going to be teams that come after him. They're going to, they're going to call. Chad Weiberg, you're on the clock, sir. Congratulations. You may not be taking over the job as AD until July, but uh, you're on the clock. And I assume you have already been talking with Coach Boynton's agent, because if you hadn't, haven't, uh, that start immediately or as soon as possible. Yeah, uh, this, this weekend is just proving that, yeah, Boynton's the guy for this program. Uh, what he's built here around Cade Cunningham is, I mean, even before him, like you see, yeah, and even last year, like you saw flashes of what Avery Anderson was going to be. You saw flashes of what Caleb Boone was going to be. And this year, middle of this year, bam, it just clicked for those guys. And those guys are stars on this team and will be all-conference players for this team next year. And it'll be a big reason why Oklahoma State is going to be able to sustain the success that we're seeing. And to win these games – down, down the stretch of the year, what they have done, Boynton said it post-game, you know, that after the, the loss to Texas. He goes, what you guys did was no fluke. People didn't think you could do it. And they won eight of nine against some of the best teams in, in the conference and some of the best teams in the country. And the two losses were single digits. It wasn't like they were getting blown out by anybody. The only time they legitimately have gotten blown out this year was to Baylor without Cunningham and Rondell. So take that for mm-hmm. what it's worth. But, I mean, not to quibble that February 8th loss at Kansas was, they lost by 12. It wasn't really yeah. close, but your point is, is valid. Yeah. yeah the, mainly what I'm trying to say is like, Oklahoma State's not out of any ball game. And even when the game no. was kind of in dire straits against, and kind of well in hand for Texas, Oklahoma State was still knocking down shots. And they were still making Texas mm-hmm. sweat it out a little bit. So okay, turned it on. Yeah, he turned it on to you again, but it, you know it was. He had three three early fouls, and Oklahoma yep. State was playing on tired legs when Texas yep. got a day off. That's just kind. Of, that's just the nature of what happened. And let's do this for fans. Hold on, let's do this for fans. I want to do this. I want to get this out of the way. It's okay for Texas fans to celebrate. Stop trying to dogpile on them and be like, "You shouldn't celebrate because this wasn't a real win. It should have an asterisk." Shut up. They won the title. Yes, they played two games. They played the fifth seed and the sixth seed. Yes, they played two games in three days. They didn't have to play a team the day before. I get all those things. Those are all fact. Welcome to 2020, 2021 with COVID. It's fine. This isn't what matters. You weren't even supposed to be there. I'm, I wish they had won two, but it's okay. What matters is making a run in the NCAA tournament. So that, that's why be annoyed. Yeah. Get over it move on and appreciate that you just not kept two times in a row Bob Huggins from getting his 900th win. That you was just very beat sweet. That was Baylor. Oh yeah. I, I really did not want to have the answer to the question. Who did Bob Huggins beat for his 900th win via Oklahoma state? Maybe it'll be more head state. Who knows? Um, I, I just like, if you're sitting there yelling at Texas fans or we're doing so the night of the next day, just, just swallow it and move on, folks. Like, there are bigger things to be annoyed about, like Oklahoma State seeding, than Texas getting a day off and they deserve an asterisk. There's no asterisk. Just, no, like, just well, stop with it. Yeah, and, and Mike Boynton said it. Like, 
you know, he says that all the time, losing is not acceptable. And sure, we can be upset that they lost. But understand this, there's bigger shit for Oklahoma State to play for now than winning a conference championship game. And sure, losing that game sucks and would have looked really nice to win a Big 12 tournament. It oh, hasn't been done nice. for a long time. It would have been awesome. But there's bigger things for Oklahoma State to play for now that they can legitimately mm-hmm. play for. And mm-hmm. it's not just like Oklahoma State showing up to the tournament and is happy to be there. Like, they, they know how good they are, and they know the type of run that they can go on. So that's why when Isaac Lockley said, no, everyone was mad. Like, there, there was no confidence loss. We know what we have. We know what's at stake moving forward here. We, we know what we have to play for now. So moving on there, yeah. Like, I've, I've already, I was like, okay, now let's go win an ad. Like, I know, that I've, I know it's, that's a lofty thought, but that was my first thought. And I think that says a lot about where this team is at. And, again, it's not – they're not just happy to be there. Like this is a legitimate team that can make a run in March. I don't, part of me has already done a whole lot on OSU getting a four seed. So I feel like I've mostly emptied the tank, but we should get this out before we talk about Liberty. The two things that hurt OSU, and we all know it, it's two quad three losses, FU, TCU, and the predictive metrics. I understand. Let me, let me, I've had enough time to process all this. Let me just, let me get through what I feel like is me trying to be rational. Okay. I appreciate the predictive metrics for what their intention is. It is to help ensure that teams who aren't given the opportunity to play as many marquee opponents are given more due when it comes to time for selection Sunday. So we don't have to see Louisville knocking out uh, Utah state or Wichita State, or things of that nature, right? But if we get, we get really annoyed, it's like, hey, the, the first four out are all mid-major teams and shitty Syracuse and shitty Louisville and shitty NC State are all getting in because blah, 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 power conference teams. So I understand the point of the predictive metrics. This year, it's really hard to take care of the predictive metrics because if you look at the net, Colgate is number nine. Loyola Chicago is number 10. I get all those things. But that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me that Texas Tech, who's 17 and 10, 4 and 10 in quad one, 6 and 10 if you include quad two, is number 16. Because they have a lot of, they're a good team who, as I keep seeing Texas Tech fans say, it's just really unlucky. They're just really lucky. No, you just can't close out games. You can call it fluke a couple of times. At a certain point, you can't close out games. And what bothers me about all this is that Oklahoma State sits at 29th in the net. They're like 30th in Kempom because of predictive metrics. If predictive metrics really are what decided games, OSU wouldn't be 10 and 6 in quad one, 12 and 6 in quads one and two. They wouldn't be because the predictive metrics would have had them losing more of those games. And what bothers me about the whole damn thing is that at the end of the day, they decided the predictive metrics mattered more than what the wins and losses were. I am a I love stats. I love data. They're important and they add to the story. Okay. Wins and losses are important. They don't, they're not, they're not everything. I know that's a weird thing to say. They're not everything, but they do matter and they should matter the most. Oklahoma State beat all four three seeds and one of them, West Virginia, who was a full seed line ahead of them, who was apparently like the top three seed twice in the last two weeks. West Virginia is seven and seven in quad one, 10 and nine in quads one and two. Houston, I get the predictive metrics. Congratulations, you beat Texas Tech, and you beat Wichita State once, and you won a mediocre AAC. They're fifth and a two seed. They are two and one in quad one. They're six and one in quad two. They also have a quad three loss, and they have 16 games in quads three and four. When predictive metrics matter that much, that Houston is a two seed and number five in the net, that Colgate's number nine, a Colgate who didn't play a non-conference and all they did was play Patriot League teams and went 14 and one and didn't play a quad one game and played 13 quad three and four games. Like, I'm glad Colgate isn't obviously a high seed. They're seeded about where they should be. But at the same time, like, you're telling me when you saw the final overall rankings that West Virginia was the 10th best team? Bullshit. They were really good earlier in the year. But don't feed me that nonsense. I watched the games. And as Lenardi said it, their cable must have, the, the committee's cable must have gone out and they didn't actually watch Oklahoma State play. Because if you watched them play, you went, you know what, sometimes metrics be damned. 
a team's better than maybe their, their predictive metrics say. All of this leads me to this point. And I, I put this all on my pod, the 1012. I put this out on Twitter and people liked it. And I don't care because the longer I say it, the more I believe it. Oklahoma State was put as the four seed in the Midwest. We always knew they would be in Illinois' bracket. We knew it. We knew it. We've been saying it for months. You and I have been tweeting about it and texting about it and joking about it. But we knew it would happen. You knew OSU would be in Illinois' bracket. Illinois bracket. You couldn't put them in the three seed. They might not match up. But if you want to put Oak in a spot where Oklahoma State and Illinois have a really good shot to meet up in the Sweet 16, you make OSU the four seed. You will not convince me whatsoever that OSU was not put where they were put for the sixth Sweet 16 matchup for what would be the top number one most talked about, most must-watch Sweet 16 matchup of the entire tournament and a game everyone will want to watch outside of Baylor and Gonzaga. This was done intentionally. You will not convince me otherwise. I will buy it for a second. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an understanding of money. Yeah, I, uh, you, you said I don't, think it, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, and I don't buy into to stuff like that very often. But the minute that I saw Oklahoma State was the four seed, I went, oh, they did that to get that Sweet 16 matchup, like guaranteed. They're, they're, you can't, and you can't convince me that they wouldn't do it. They, would, they, they want Brett Underwood versus Mike Boynton. They mm-hmm. want Cade Cunningham versus Ayo Dos, Dosumu. Mm-hmm. They, that's what – it ain't about money. It's all about money, folks. And mm-hmm. this, is good. this will be the most watched game to that point. And Oklahoma State has a good shot to go and play. And there's a good chance it's going to happen. They're playing Liberty, and then you play the winner of Tennessee, Oregon State. Oklahoma State can go win that game too. Barring some crazy ass shit that happens and Illinois slips up in the second round, you're going to get Illinois, Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16 for a chance to go to the Elite Eight and possibly get out of that regional and and go play in the Final Four. We oh, knew it was we. Yeah. I talked about this weeks ago. I think I even said it on the show. This is when Oklahoma State was slated to be like a seven or eight seed, and Illinois was still a two. I said they're they're going to put Oklahoma State and and Illinois right for that 2-7 round of 32 matchup. They, they were going to do it. And damn, they did it. And part of me is excited. Part of me is terrified because Kofi Coburn might score 1,000 points. Mm-hmm. But if that's the challenge, and you know, my point talk about opportunity over challenge. If that's the draw that Oklahoma State got, you know that you're gonna, that Brad Underwood's getting one of his toughest games that he's gotten all season from this team. So I don't want to spend too much time focusing on Illinois because it's both disrespectful and I am a superstitious son of a bitch. So the idea that Same. we should be focusing on Illinois and ignoring the two or the three teams, the one we know they'll face or the two they might face um, would be silly. Why don't we talk about Liberty for a little bit? Let's um, do it. So, yeah, we all hate Liberty in football because they're a, a religious university that puts sports over what they're supposed to be about, but whatever. But here in basketball, how much do you know about Liberty, Joel? I'll be honest, I don't know a lot, but I think it's only like 23 and 5 or something like that. They haven't lost in almost two months, I believe. That, that's all about all I know. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're not a bad team this year. They're not a bad team. They are 23 and 5, that's correct. Um, they have not lost since January 15th, uh, game at Stetson, so they've been on a a bit of a winning streak since then. Always had some games delayed here and there. Other losses are a game at Stetson and a game at Lipscomb. Lipscomb? Lipscomb? Can't talk. Who's the bourbon? Blame the bourbon. Uh, four roses. Hmm. Those are the only conference losses they have. Their other losses, they lost at Missouri by nine. Uh, I believe they had a halftime lead that game. They lost to TCU by four, and they lost to Purdue in the neutral side game uh, by 13. They've got wins over Mississippi State, a win over South Carolina. Another of those are especially impressive. They're not good SEC teams, but I mean, they, they thumped South Carolina. They won by 16. They beat Mississippi State by 11. Um, they only lost to Missouri, like I said, by nine. So they're not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. This is a team that has that would have gone dancing three years in a row uh, if not for the, the tournament getting canceled last year. Um, but they, So they would have gone last year canceled. They're obviously going this year. Um, then they also went in 2019. In 2019, they beat uh, Mississippi State in the first round. Uh, Mississippi State does not want to see Liberty uh, before losing to Virginia Tech in the second round. This is just the sixth time they've ever been to the NCAA tournament. No, they haven't been. Uh, in the 
FBS forever, right? So that, that plays into it. It's not a bad team. It is one of the best teams in the ASM. And like, here's the thing. When, when, I, when I talk about picking upsets in the tournament, the upsets you want to look for, and here's where you get nervous as an Oklahoma State fan. The thing you want to find is a situation with a, an upper-level or upper-class team with experience versus a young team. And that's kind of what we have here, unfortunately, uh, is a team with juniors and seniors as their best players versus a team with freshmen and sophomores as their best player. They are led by uh, Darius McGee, who leads a team in scoring 15.6 points per game, also has uh, 4.4 rebounds a game. He shoots 41% from three, 46% overall, 85% from the line. He was the A-Sun player of the year and a first-teamer. Uh, Liberty also has the A-Sun defensive player of the year in Elijah. Uh, I'm going to say Cuffy. I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce that properly. He was third in the team in scoring at 9.6 points per game, 41, 42% from three, 48% from the court, uh, 85% from the free throw line. He's a he's a pretty talented uh, – he's a guard forward? I never understand how it is. He's a senior. McGee is a junior. Chris Barker, Barker who's their uh, starting point guard, 10.3 points per game. He's a sophomore. Um, or he's a senior, sorry. I'll put it this way. As I said, your three best scorers, your three best players, upperclassmen, lead the team in scoring. They're pretty good defensively. It's a, it's a matchup OSU should win, but it's a matchup that is going to be trickier than people want it to be. OSU plays, plays close games. They turn the ball over a lot. I mean, Liberty averages 9.7 turnovers a game. I think OSU averages about 100. That sounds about right. This is a good free throw shooting team. OSU's been better. It's a good three-point shooting team. Their best three-point shooters are all over 40%. I mean, it's a good team. It's a senior-laden team. It's a team that's been here before. Um, so it's a, it's a tricky first-round matchup. I, I think – and I think Matt Norlander, I was listening to, uh, to the CPS pod, made, made a good point. Uh, OSU got the tougher first-round draw than Tennessee did. And Tennessee is the five-team seed. I think this is a tougher team than Oregon State. I think this team would beat Oregon State. Um, I think it's a tricky first-round draw. I don't think the NCAA, I don't think the committee did OSU any favors. We already know that as being the four-seed in, honestly, a really, really difficult half of a quadrant uh, uh, where Illinois is one, Loyola Chicago, who should probably be a six, is an eight. Tennessee is a, is a five, an inconsistent five on the five. And then you get Liberty, who's a solid A-Sun team. And it's not, they're not like they're not going to win a bunch of games in the Big 12, but all they have to do is win one game. It's not an easy first-round matchup. Yeah, and yeah, you can go further down the rabbit hole. of Shocking. They gave Oklahoma State probably the toughest draw of anybody on the top four lines. Hmm, I wonder why. Anyways. Um, uh, I, I'm, they didn't do Illinois any favors. That also. They they'll win their first game and they're probably gonna have to play Lola Chicago. That's a six seed playing as an eight seed. They are by Ken Palm metrics like top ten defensive efficiency. They're a really good defensive team. You can talk about Loyola Chicago. We all know Loyola Chicago because of the fun final four where they made, but they're a really good defensive team. OSU, which is what they want, is a gnarly four seed to play because they should be a three. You could argue they probably could have been a two. They're on the four line. That's a gnarly four, especially when you look at the rest of the four seeds. Yeah, they didn't do Illinois any, any favors getting through the Sweet 16. Now, I will say this. I'll just say it now. I think OSU gets to the Sweet 16. I think Tennessee is. Ooh. Hoiberg, or the prom has gone at Iowa State. Ah. Sorry, I just, I just opened Twitter to look at something, and Steve Prom has gone at Iowa State. Oh, okay. I'll that after my show later. Man, there goes my whole lineup for Thursday. I hate when something like this happens. No, I don't. It's fun. Um, I think I don't. This is the one one seed I did not want to be in the bracket of. I didn't, and it's about matchup. Illinois is perfect to beat Oklahoma State. 
You need one thing absolutely to be no issue, a really talented big man who can score and defend. There's, I don't, I, and I, I don't mean this as a, as a, as an insult to OSU. Like, I just think from a matchup standpoint, this is a terrible, terrible matchup for OSU. That said, if OSU gets past Illinois, they go to the Final Four because they're going to either face in the Elite Eight, Houston, which I don't think is good enough, and West Virginia, who they've already beaten twice. I like everyone else in the bottom half. Whoever wins the Illinois OSU Sweet 16 game or Illinois, whoever, whoever comes out of the top half of this, this region is winning, is getting the final four. I'm just going to say that. I don't think the bottom half is, is very good. I think Houston's the worst two seed. I think West Virginia is not a three. They're a four. I, I just, I think those are two teams that are probably overseeded. I understand the metrics, Houston, blah, 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 blah. They should be a three seed. You can argue Texas should be a two seed over Houston, but the Big 12 or the conference tournaments didn't matter outside of getting out of bids. So if OSU finds a way past Illinois, finds a way to get to the Sweet 16 and beats Illinois, I think OSU is going to the Final Four because I don't think they're going to lose any of the teams in the bottom half of the quarter. The one thing that Oklahoma State does have going for it, and you can say this about it, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's all about who's hot at the right time. And Oklahoma State is playing their best basketball right now. And that teams go on runs that way at any seed. If they, you know, uh, it was Oklahoma State ran to Michigan uh, in that 2016-17 tournament where Michigan was, you know, a solid team but not great. And they went on all the way to win their conference tournament, playing their best basketball in Oklahoma State, ran into them in the tournament and lost. And I think they ended up going to like the Sweet 16 or something. Or Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. They did. Yeah. No, they are the Sweet 16 that year. Right. So I think Oklahoma State's in a similar position where they have, they have gone through the ringer. They played ranked opponent after ranked opponent after ranked opponent and won. You know, they won eight out of nine against some of the best teams in the country or, you know, teams, tournament teams, really, uh, in the Big 12. So, the obviously in Liberty, you know that that's a it's a tough draw. It is they're they are a good team. They're going to give Oklahoma State a fight, but Oklahoma State play while they play a lot of close games. Oklahoma State knows how to win close games. And if there's anything, if there's any benefit to a couple of shitty losses they took early this year, they know what not to do. They know what to do in close games to close a game out and win if they're ahead. And Kay Cunningham is probably next with I up there with Iodasumu as the best closer in college basketball. The ball in his hands at the end of a game, at the free throw line, or going to take the last shot, you feel really good about Oklahoma State's chances to, to close out and win a ball game. So if they, yeah, if they get to, if they get past Liberty, I feel really good about their chances against Tennessee or Oregon State. And then it's a matter of finding a, you know, finding a way to play your best A-plus game against, uh, against Illinois. And you're going to, Oklahoma State is going to play that. That's the one where it's going to be one of those like, holy crap, I can't believe they won that game, which we've said a couple of times this year. Wouldn't surprise me if that was the case here as well. Uh, And I agree with you. If Oklahoma State manages to get past Illinois, they're going to the Final Four. And I'm not going to pick Oklahoma State to do that. I think they get to the Sweet 16. I just think, I think Illinois matches up. They just have way too many matchup problems for Oklahoma State, I think. And Oklahoma State will play them close. They play everybody close. But a sweet, to get to the Sweet 16 after not winning a, an NCAA tournament game since 2009, shit, I, that is a huge success for where this program is at. And this won't be the last time we see Oklahoma State in the tournament. You know, it, it's going to be – this is going to be a consistent thing under Mike Borden as long as he's here. Um, on your teams that are hot right now, so hot, Illinois has won seven in a row, including the Big Ten tournament. They have one loss since uh, they lost to Ohio State back on – oh, what day was this game? I'm doing my best here. January 16th. So since they lost to Ohio State on January 16th, they have a loss at Michigan State. That's it. So I, I understand the hot team thing, and OSU is – uh, so hot right now, but they're pretty good. Uh, one note on Tennessee because I do think that's who OSU will face in the second round. I have them getting past Oregon State. Love the Oregon State story. It's really cool. It's really neat. I think Tennessee was the SEC preseason favorite. They finished fourth in the SEC. The thing with Tennessee 
Um, you know, they, they're really, really inconsistent. They are really, really inconsistent. They started the year off really, really good. They were 7-0, um, 10-1, and, and then it's just kind of, you know, beat a couple teams here, beat Kansas before they really got going. They, they, they just, they're okay. Um, they've got back-to-back wins over Florida in the last month or so, but outside of that, since beating Kansas, they've got wins over Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, a couple wins over Florida, and Florida's fine. But they – it's a team OSU should beat if OSU's playing like OSU. Honestly, I, I think so. Um, I think OSU makes a Sweet 16. I, I don't mean that to look past anybody. I think they're going to get a challenge from Liberty. I think it's going to be a closer game than OSU fans won. I think you're going to be sweating out for a little while. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of some of OSU's – earlier non-conference games, um, like the, the ORU game, where ORU, OSU was kind of sweating it out at the end. Frustratingly so, but you, you, you still felt like, okay, they're, they're going to get past this. They're going to figure this out, right? It feels kind of like that. Um, the ORU game where they won by, by five, or the, the game on the road open season at UT Arlington where they only won by seven. Um, something along that lines feels about right. To me, I think it's a I think it's a close game. I know the line is like nine and a half OSU. I might bet Liberty side of that because I just it feels like an OSU win, but it feels like an eight or nine point win. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I I have no you know I have all the confidence in the world they're going to beat Liberty. Now it's like I said, it's going to be a close game. I think they're you know Liberty's going to give them their best shot, and Oklahoma State's going to get everybody's best shot. Yeah. This entire tournament because oh, they have Kate Cunningham. Kate Cunningham. Yep. And that's what's happening. Teams are going to want to beat him. Yes. Teams are going to want to have that to feel good. To, to, I beat – because here's the deal. If when he goes number one in the draft, guess what everyone who beat him is going to be able to say? I beat Kate Cunningham in the NCAA tournament. Yep. That's a, that's a thing, folks. Like having yeah. that is a bullseye. And OSU is one of the most talked about teams. Like, you're not coming into this, this tournament. Like, there are people who are like, yeah, OSU is a shoe-in for the Final Four. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you don't know anything about college basketball because they're not a shoe-in. That yeah, makes shoe, no sense. Yeah, shoe-in uh, is one thing. But I can't think of right now just looking around the landscape and seeing people talk on social media. There's not a trendier pick. And the trendy pick does not always get there. But it is very fascinating that people are hopping on now. When a month ago it was Caden a bunch of scrubs. The other problem is it's a trendy pick by people who don't care about basketball or college basketball until now. Yep, that's also fair. That bothers me the most because most people who live, eat, breathe, sleep college basketball have thrown away making it out of this this uh, region. The people like Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith or whoever wrote the article for Bleacher Report is like, yeah, they're going to the Final Four. I'm just like, folks – um, I love OSU, and I they can, but Illinois is a matchup nightmare for Oklahoma State. Uh, wh- one other note, I, I posted a couple of, of facts on, on Twitter that was really interesting to me. You know, OSU had seven non-conference games. Four of those teams are in the tournament. So, so add to the other six Big 12 teams that they beat who made the tournament. Uh, they also had four of their seven non-conference teams made it. ORU uh, winning their conference, Wichita State getting as an at-large. Arkansas, of course, is a three-seed. And uh, uh, Texas Southern, who won the SWAC, who is getting in. On that note as well, Oakland was one win away. They got to the championship game on the horizon and lost to get out of it. And honestly, you know, UT Arlington, they opened the road. That, that they got enough wins there to get that road went up to a quad three. The problem for UT Arlington was they were so injured or COVID, had so many COVID issues throughout the year. OSU played them healthy and they were good. That team was not healthy most of the season. And it, and it stinks because it would have been that, – that should have been – that's a team that should have been good enough to be a quad two road win, which hurt OSU. And honestly, the only bad team you played was the game at Marquette, which is, you know – not what I expected when we looked at the non-conference schedule. Not that Texas Southern is great, but um, yeah. So it, it's interesting. It was it was just an interesting little nugget to see that OSU played ten other teams on their twenty-eight game schedule. You realize you play everyone in the Big Twelve twice, so ten other teams that are in the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, and 
you know, we'll see where they go. So have you filled out your bracket yet? I filled out a couple, like, how to put it this way? Um, you always fill out more than one. And yes, yes. I'm one of those people. Yeah. I have not I filled always. out, I have not, but I use them as practice to like work through things. I have not filled out the, the what I'm going to call my, my, my true bracket. Um, Cause I'm going to do that on my, I have a, I have a bracket pool for the 1012 podcast. If anybody would like to join, just sh- uh, hit me a DM on Twitter or, or check out the 1012 pod, uh, Twitter account at 1012 podcast. We have the link pinned at the top and we're doing bracket pool with the giveaway for the, I said the winner at this point, I'm going top three, top three brackets get a prize. Um, I've got some cool stuff lined up. I, I that is going to be whatever I decide is my final bracket. The one that I hand write because I ran out of black ink, so I didn't get to do it on selection Sunday. The one that I hand write, which is my gospel bracket is the one that I will use in there. So I haven't filled it out yet. I feel confident about certain picks. I've got all four one seeds going to Sweet 16. I have OSU getting there. I think I have all the two seeds going to Sweet 16. I just, I don't buy. There's some fun possibilities for upsets. Um, Maybe Houston loses and maybe, you know, maybe I don't have Michigan. I just, this is a year where the top eight seeds are all moving on. The middle is going to be a weird mess, but it's going to be pretty chalky by the time we get to the lead eight. I think. So the, to, the main. Uh, I have OSU in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. The, the main question is which five twelve upset do you have? Because there's always one of those. Okay, so let me pull it. Let me pull the bracket up real quick. Well, let's to, let's, let's talk it. some upsets here. I need I need a little bit of bracket talk here. I know it's completely off topic, but this is this is fun. No, it's not. It is a, it's totally on topic. I love bracket talk. Bracket talk is a fun thing. Let's let's pull the bracket up. Okay. <clears throat> The most popular 5-12 upset is going to be Georgetown over Colorado. It's not going to happen. Uh, I don't buy the – I know we just said Michigan had gone over run. They made 15. That's great. I don't buy the team went on a run in their conference tournament and it carried over to March into the NCAA tournament. It doesn't really happen as much as we think. There are good examples of it happening. It doesn't happen most of the time. Most of the time they make a run and they flame out. I like Georgetown, but it, and it's a neat story. It's a great story. People also are massively underrating how good Colorado might actually be. If they're going to be a popular upset pick, I don't like it. Um, I, I'm Tennessee, Oregon State. I think Tennessee wins that game. Oregon State's not that good. Um, props to them for winning. I, I don't like picking more than one. And I am very torn between the two five seeds that are trending in the wrong direction. Creighton just got blown out by Georgetown in the Big East title game. Creighton is dealing with all the stuff with Greg McDermott. I don't know if this week they'll be able to kind of square things away and get back to being good Creighton. UC Santa Barbara is a solid team. That's a, that, that might be it. I think the most obvious 5-12 is going to be Winthrop over Villanova. That's, a, that's the one I would say. They, when, Villanova is so good, and I love Jay Wright. But they've dealt with so many injuries. They lost Colin Gillespie, who was one of the best mm-hmm. point guards in the country. I, it's, yeah, that, that's, that's the one I've been, I've been thinking hard about. And Winthrop's good, folks. Like they're a good mid-major. That is an easy up first round upset to pick to make. I think it's I think Georgetown over Colorado will be the most popular one. This should be the most popular. Uh, I, I think it's the one I feel most confident making, but I also like UC Santa Barbara over Creighton. I think Creighton is I think the stuff with Greg McDermott has put that program in a bad spot. I think their year is pretty much done. I think UC Santa Barbara gets that upset there. Yeah, that was one that I was looking at too. I, I was looking at least one or two five twelves because it just it happens way too damn often. That it- you know, so the reality is the bottom of the bracket. My the bottom. I mean, the teams at the bottom. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about aren't as good as in years past. So don't expect a. a there's not going to be a sixteen over one. There shouldn't be a fifteen over two. I don't think there's really going to be a fourteen over three this year. Like your threes are Kansas, Arkansas, Texas, and and. West Virginia, maybe, and as, as much as I think West Virginia makes the Elite Eight, maybe Morehead State beats West Virginia. Like that, that's a legitimate opportunity. Colgate ain't beating Arkansas. It'll be a high scoring game. Abilene Christian, Texas, no. Uh, Kansas East for Washington, maybe because Kansas is going to be without some guys in the first round because of COVID protocol stuff. Um, no Jalen Wilson for them. Not sure if if McCormick's in the play or not. That's a big deal. I feel good about 12s over fives. Um, I feel pretty good about uh, – I like San Diego State. 
I have uh, I feel confident in saying that Jim Beheim sold his soul to the devil a long time ago to make sure that Syracuse not only never misses the tournament but always wins a game or two in it. Um, that's also why he's such a crotchety old bastard. Um, so <laughs> I will pick Syracuse over San Diego State just because it's Syracuse and I hate Syracuse, but they'll do it. I think <sighs> I, I buy into Texas Tech, so I won't pick that upset. It would also be ironic if Matt Wells, former school that he coached at, beat. Texas Tech. Um, Michigan State winning the Michigan State-UCLA game and then knocking up BYU is a very legitimate thing that ha- could happen. Uh, BYU um, got, kind of got overseeded, I feel like. That one was a little that was a little odd to me. They're good. They're, um, yeah. Former OSU point guard Brandon Averett starting for them. A lot of, a lot of uh, former OSU players that, have, that are in the tournament this year. Brandon Everett there. Maurice um, Kalu at uh, Oregon State. Oregon State. He was the guy State. who – he's the guy that got them the win. He led the team in Oregon State scoring in that championship game with yep. 14 points on 6-11 shooting, which was which was helpful for Oregon State. And then, of course, uh, Michael Weathers, the bonehead who should have been part of OSU and decided to help go fire off BB guns with two other players who got kicked off the team. Uh, is leading the score for Texas Southern, helping get them to the NCAA tournament. So, I, you know, congrats to him for getting there. I hope he's turned some things around. And he leads that team in steals, assists, points. He could have been so good. Um, I, yeah, I, I think USC is, I think, I think USC is kind of good. I think they're underrated. I think they're a little underseated. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble with the, the five, six upsets. Uh, uh, I don't think eight nines matter because they're not getting past the ones. Yes, LSU over Michigan will be a fun thing to pick. It's not going to happen. Um, I just I don't know about upset picks to meet the Sweet 16. That's the trick. Like, do you get a, a double-digit seed in the Sweet 16 this year? Yeah, I – I don't know, man. I, it's one of those like upsets sound so good in your head. Oh yeah. But then the but then you go to actually put it in your bracket, and I'm like, I, I just don't know. If I had to pick one, I've been hearing some people. I, I don't know enough about Ohio, and I don't watch enough Virginia. But I've seen some people who really like Ohio over Virginia. The best way to figure out where you're going to get a double digit seed in is to have two double digit seeds meet in the second round. The idea of, and I wouldn't pick a lot of other upsets in here because I don't, I don't like that concept, but I'm okay doing it here because I don't think any of these teams are going to beat Gonzaga. I think they're going to be in the final four. If you wanted to pick Ohio at 13 over the Virginia at the four and UC Santa Barbara at the 12 over Creighton at the five and have 12 versus 13 for the Sweet 16, I'm, I might go with that one. That would be about the only way I think I'm going to put a double-digit seed in the Sweet 16 this year, unless – and here's my one just like, man, I can't tell I just hate Houston that much. Unless Rutgers somehow beats Houston in the second round. Okay. Yeah. You have a national champion in mind, or is that way too early uh, to think about? Because I, I mean, I have such a hard time picking against Gonzaga. Like, they, they've been so good all year. They just – I just – it's to me, it's just so hard to pick against them this year. I think it's between Gonzaga and Illinois – I think those are the two teams that are most likely to make the national championship game. I like Baylor, but I just think Illinois is playing so well. And I hate it. I hate it. Yep. I hate Absolutely. it. That's why, God, I, I want that Sweet 16 matchup just, just for the opportunity. I think Gonzaga-Illinois makes the most sense. Um, I think one of those teams will win it all. I like Baylor a lot. I think Illinois just provides matchup problems for so many teams because they're so good inside. Mm-hmm. Because the Big Ten has bigs, and there's not a lot of other teams that have bigs that are that good. I think I, I think Kofi is just too big of a matchup issue for teams. I don't think teams have most teams have somebody who can match up with him to slow him down offensively or defensively, except maybe Gonzaga. Um, I just I don't know that anybody does, and I, I don't mean that as a knock at Baylor, but I th- name me Baylor center. Is it? I have to follow the Big Twelve, and I guess and I, I huh? Thamba maybe. Full Thamba, yeah, and and trust me, he ain't he, he ain't slowing. 
Nobody's slowing <laughs> Kofi down. No. The only thing the only thing that slows down Kofi Coburn is Kofi Coburn. For about when your best players are a All American point guard at an All American level center in this modern college basketball, I think that's really hard to beat. I I think Illinois wins it all. I hate saying that, but I think they do. But I also want to pick Gonzaga because I don't want that to be a thing that happens. Yeah, and and I say it gritting my teeth because I'm st- I I've, I don't like Gonzaga at all. But damn it, they're so good. Now, if you want me to pick a non one seed to get there, as crazy as this is going to sound, people will be like, Whoa! Texas as the three in the East, Alabama is beatable. Just make sure they can't get to the basket. Make them be a jump shooting team. Make them shoot threes. They love to shoot threes, but they love to shoot threes and they love to go to the rim. If you don't let them go to the rim and force them to be a jump shooting team, you just hope they don't hit all their threes. If they hit all their threes, you weren't going to beat them anyways. But that's how you beat Alabama. That's how the teams who have beaten Alabama since Oklahoma's done it, Missouri has done it, Arkansas has done it. That's how you beat them. If you can do that, I look in that bracket. I don't love Michigan. Um, I don't love Florida State or Colorado. If Texas can beat Alabama, I can see Texas making the Final Four. That's my one where I'm like, the, the East is the one where I don't, I'm not positive a one or a two gets there. I don't think a one or two doesn't get there from one of the other ones. And, and really, I have a hard time not picking Gonzaga, Baylor, and Illinois to all get to the Final Four. It's that East I'm not sure about. It's the one I'm the least confident in. I think if anyone not a one or two has a chance, that Texas does have a really good shot. But the way they've been playing, they've been playing a lot better than people realize at the end of the season. OSU's been all the talk of the town. Texas ended the season on a bunch of four straight road games, but they beat Oklahoma, and then they beat like TCU, and like they haven't they haven't played a lot of the better teams. But I think they're playing really well. I don't think Greg Brown is, but Coleman is, and that matters. I think Texas has a shot at a Final Four this year, which would be insane considering. Hey, you know what? If Shaka had just grown his hair out years ago, he'd be he'd be all right. All right. You have any final thoughts here, Philip? We we kind of rambled there at the end, but it's good to talk tournament. It's damn it. I I talk about how much I love baseball season, and the one thing I love about March Madness is it's right before the baseball regular season starts. So I you know I get spring training. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, but. March Madness might legitimately be my favorite time of the year for sports. That first weekend is an elite time for just sitting on your couch and it's socially acceptable to crack a beer at 11 in the, you know, 11 in the morning and watch college basketball for 12 hours. And damn it. That first weekend's just a ton of fun. Oh, it is. I mean, I hate that it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, but it's fine. We'll I'll tell you how tempted I am um, to just go, hey, I'm not coming in today on Friday. But thankfully, I OSU can't play- imagine I'll, pl- I'll work a full day Friday, but we'll see. Um, if, if OSU plays. Softball dropped a game against Houston. Sorry, final thoughts. If softball dropped a game against Houston, which um, was a rough like Saturday, Sunday combo for OSU. Um, wrestling start tournament starts Wednesday, which is always crazy at the same time as March Madness. Um, and as I mentioned, we got a bracket challenge for the 1012 podcast. If you want to go check out the Twitter account at 1012 podcast, pinned to the top is a link to the sleeper brackets. Um, I'll post it on mine as well. Go fill out a bracket and you get one. Uh, and uh, top three get uh, get a prize. Yeah. All right. Well, my glass is empty. So I think that means my brain is empty too. I don't, I don't have anything else. I think we covered everything. Another packed episode, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. I don't know when the next episode is going to come out. We might record after a game or two of the tournament. I'm not quite sure. We'll figure. Phil and I will figure it out when we get there. You'll, you'll know when the next episode comes out. Talk to you all then. Go, folks. Take care.